In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask your Holy Spirit upon us. Always guide us closer to the heart of Jesus. Help us to be converted, to look to you and to trust in you and your church, to guide us always on our faith and our journey to salvation. Amen. There is a Catholic, he's not, he's not Catholic, he's a psychologist, he's secular technically, but he's got a lot of Christian leanings. His name is Jordan Peterson. Ever heard of him? Any takers? He's a really good, I think, he, I think he's, he has a lot figured out in the world, and I like him a lot. One of the things he talks about um, in psychology, and like, especially applying to marriage, or any relationship really, but marriage especially, he talks about how to argue, and there's a very interesting concept of it. It's like when you're arguing with your wife or your spouse, your husband, whatever, if the disagreement arises, and if the goal of the disagreement is to be right, that's the only purpose of like you're having a disagreement, and I want to be right. I want to prove to him, prove to her that I am right in this situation. And the problem with that is that if you're right and the other person is wrong, if you win and the other person loses, if you do that enough over years where you win and they lose, that means you're objectively, you're married to a loser. And nobody wants to be married to a loser. No one wants to be a loser. It's not a, it's not a compliment you give to somebody, right? Maybe it's a joke, but it's not a thing you want to give to somebody. It's always a desire. So how you argue isn't about proving them wrong and proving yourself right. It's the coming to the, the, the concession of what right is. Or sometimes you can't, right? It's like you're going to split and you kind of just, you, you, you self-sacrifice that way. It's very complicated, but in general, that concept. And I was praying with that concept in general and about how in Corinthians, when St. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, about um, love is patient, love is kind, you know, that beautiful phrase we hear all the time in all the weddings. They're whatever. I'm a little over weddings, okay? But like, you hear all the time in weddings and it's very, very beautiful. If actually lived out. Because we use it because it sounds cute, we put it on our walls and stuff, but Corinthians is really preaching what love actually is. And he goes deeper deep with it. For he says that when you talk about love, love doesn't rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the truth. He uses that word. The desire of all the arguments and disagreements in your relationships, especially in your marriage, isn't about rejoicing in the wrong. Ha, you're wrong. Ha, I'm right. I proved you wrong. Aren't I amazing? That should not be the desire of any of our conversations about anything, especially in your marriage. We should rejoice in the truth. So on this Sunday, the Sunday is the first Sunday of the church, of the, uh, of the glorification of the church, whatever the title is. So at this Sunday, we have four Sundays of the church. And we pray with how all of this culminates. Because what we have is, once we start Advent, Advent is a new, new liturgical year, kind of a new year. Then we have the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, and then the epiphany and the proclamation of the divinity of Jesus. And then we enter into Lent and we fast and we prepare for the resurrection of Jesus. And then a whole season of the apostles and their preaching and the fruitfulness of it in the summer. And then Elijah preparing for the second coming of the cross. And then the church. It's like the capstone. It's the culmination of all the liturgical year. That everything that happened, the birth of Jesus, the, the, the proclamation of his life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and then the apostles preaching, all of it culminates in the church. And the Catholic church, as an idea, as an entity, exists to show the stability and to preach the truth of the gospel. 
Because the goal isn't to prove everyone else wrong and to prove themselves right, like they're losers and we're winners. No, it's out of love. Because the desire to help somebody to grow in the knowledge of the truth is a desire out of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't brood over injuries. Love doesn't rejoice in the wrong, but love rejoices in the truth. It's what St. Paul is preaching about. So the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus is personified because of the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. He wants the whole world to know his love. So what does he do? He establishes the church. And the church is stable on, on, on multiple levels. But in my opinion, the, one of the greatest beauties of the church is its stability. The stability of the church to be able to stabilize life. Because one thing you will learn if you haven't learned yet in life, life is the epitome of unstable. Just today, before Mass, someone was like, Father Pierre, pray for me. I almost died in a car accident on a Thursday. Just like that. His life almost changed. It didn't. He was very thankful to God. But it can happen. And it could happen, and it does happen. The, un- the instability of life. There is war. The economy goes up and down. You grow up. You let, Whatever. Life. Life is complicated. And the stabilizing factor in the, in the church. To first teach... And the church teaches this truth, not to prove others wrong, but to guide us. To guide us in our lives and to guide us on our journey, our journey to salvation, salvation, our journey to Jesus, our journey with Jesus. That's the beauty of it. So it guides us in truth, in faith, and morals. Faith and morals of the church. Once again, not to say you're a sinner, not to make you feel guilty, not to point fingers at you, to be like, listen, I want to walk this path of salvation. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple. How do I do this? What should I do? Here. The church is that stabilizing factor in our lives and in the end, literally, in the entire world. That's number one. Number two is the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the ultimate stabilizing factor of the world. Because I come, I'm here, I'm preaching to you, and then I die tomorrow, and then the church moves on. The Pope is, the Pope, how many popes do we have? Over 200 popes. Bishops, priests, they come, they go, they live, they preach, they die. Maserat, they live, they preach, they die. You live, you preach, you die. Who cares? The Eucharist. God remains. Why do you think we're working so hard as a church, as St. Thomas Parish, to build that grotto? So that you can have access to the incarnate God. Why do you think we work so hard to have that chapel back there? We had to move this and move that and kick these people out and clean everything up so that you can have access you as people of God in your lives, in your business, in your school, in your work, in your careers, in your existence, in the challenges of life, there has to be something stable. And it's God. There has to be something that stabilizes us and calms us as we're in this journey and we're on the ship and we're rocking back and forth and the waves of the times are just beating against us. We go, what stabilizes us? It is Jesus. It's a constant no matter if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're joyful, if you're miserable, if you're anxious, you go to Jesus, you go to the Eucharist, and it stabilizes you. And there's something very beautiful about that. Because we enter into these four weeks of the church. Because I know, we're, I know we have a Christmas tree in the lobby for the giving tree, and it starts like Christmas season. Don't fight the temptation, okay? Wait until Advent to start celebrating Christmas. Because in the spirituality of the world, in the spirituality of the faith, in the spirituality of us as followers of Jesus, especially in the Catholic Church, are seasons. And this season, we are thankful for God to establish the church. You are Peter on this rock, I will build my church. Not, hey, here's the Bible I wrote for you guys. 
I got it from heaven. Use this Bible. Jesus writes nothing. He gives it to the church to write. He gives it to the apostles to write. We have four different gospel accounts. We have St. Paul's writing. We have the Old Testament. We have the map, and he wrote nothing. He guides us by giving us, him, giving us the church. That in every generation, as life shifts, as the world shifts, as personality shifts, as society shifts, it shifts with it. And that's unbelievably beautiful. And we can be here in this modern day, today in the church, and be like, oh, how was the church 100 years ago? Different than today. The same faith, the same morals, the same Eucharist. And God will guide us in our church. Amen?